Late Night Conversations Late Night Conversations Monday to Thursday 10pm till midnight The time is 17 minutes after 11. My name is Patricia Dooley. The show, Late Night Conversations on SAFM with me, Patricia Dooley. Remember, you can get us on DSTV Channel 814. If you're on social media platforms and you would like to interact, it's at SAFM Radio or at Patricia N. and Dooley. Hashtag SAFM LNC. Call us on 891 this is the closet conversation time and uh, definitely remember that no one under the age of 18 should be uh, around as we have this conversation because we are about to get deep in the sheets. <laughs> oh, let me say today we are talking about the, 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 the ways that we are blocking physical intimacy in our relationship. And uh, that's why we don't want anyone who's under the age of 18 to join us. Uh, We've got Dr. Chelsea Page, who is a sex and relationship expert all the way from the USA. Dr. Chelsea, thank you very much for being patient. And thank you for moving some of your appointments to accommodate us today. Of course. I am so happy to be here. We're excited to have you as well. We're talking about something that is uh, quite... uh, very sensitive because it's making us introspect how we are blocking physical intimacy in our relationships and most of the time we we in relationships we like pointing the finger to the next one you know the partner is always the wrong one i'm not being intimate because there's something wrong with him or her but today we are looking at how we the individual need to introspect and look at the ways that we are blocking relationships. Doctor, let's, is, is this a norm in new relationships or old relationships or all relationships alike? I would say it definitely happens as we move more into the committed part of the relationship. So usually the beginning of the relationship is all easy and it's more hot and heavy. Things are more spontaneous. We don't really have to think about it too much. And then as we move into the more committed space of relationship, then a lot of these inner blocks start to pop up where the blocks to physical intimacy becomes really prevalent. What are some of the issues that uh, we uh, come across that cause us to become physically intimate uh, less and less in a committed relationship? One of the biggest pieces, I would say, is really feeling like there's this expectation around physical intimacy. I see this in so many people that I work with that there's this, I call it this invisible string or even kind of like this escalator, this pressure escalator, where if we give our partner a kiss or they kiss us or we start to cuddle on the couch, there becomes this expectation that it has to be all or nothing, that that kiss has to lead to clothes coming up, that has to lead to getting naked and getting in bed and, you know, penetration, the whole shebang of sex is the expectation that has to happen. And when we feel that that's going to happen, then oftentimes we just stop it right from the very beginning and don't have any intimacy in our relationship. Hold up, hold up. So we're in a committed relationship and here we are sitting on a couch and my partner leans over to give me a kiss and the kiss obviously gets very intimate, it gets very juicy. Mm-hmm. Won't that lead automatically to us having sex or or shouldn't it? It can. 
It totally can. And that's where what can be really confusing is there's this idea, just as you said, well, shouldn't when my partner leans over and gives me this intimate kiss, shouldn't that lead to sex? Isn't that what's going to actually help the physical intimacy? And you would think it would, and sometimes it does. If this isn't a barrier to you, then it might mean that that's a cue that your partner gives you a really juicy kiss or a nice touch on the leg, and that's the sign that, ooh, let's go to the bedroom. But for especially women, I see this happen so much in women that that initial kiss can be kind of this uh uh-oh that happens inside the body that goes, "Uh uh-oh, I might be too exhausted, maybe we just had a fight recently, I'm not really wanting to go to the bedroom, and now I feel like this kiss, I'm expected to go to the bedroom, and it becomes a big N-O. Okay, so I think then the expectation should be coming from us communicating what we want and what we don't want within a relationship and where the boundaries of intimacy come in. Now, uh, I'd like to remind our callers that you can call in. It is a closer conversation. You might be in a committed relationship and you might be asking yourself, mm, maybe I'm the reason why we are no longer as intimate. Well, call in and ask your question. I've got uh, sex and relationship expert, Dr. Chelsea Page. The number to call in on is 0891-104-207 or 011-714-4045. The SMS number is 41391. WhatsApp number 0614-104-107. So now that I've realized that uh, perhaps it's me feeling the expectation is a bit too much or I feel pressured into being intimate all the time, how do I then fix this? So a big piece of it is to have a really open conversation with your partner to explain and to be on the same ground and same field to know that just because a kiss happens doesn't mean this has to lead anywhere. And often what I found when these conversations happen, you know, say if there's the lady who was expecting that when her, maybe her husband starts to give her a kiss, it has to lead to the whole shebang of sex when In reality, maybe he just wanted a kiss. And so to clear the air and stop mind reading is such an important thing because so many of us try to mind read what our partner is thinking or wanting to do rather than actually checking in and using our words and being adults about it. So talk and uh, be open and say, look, all I want is a kiss. It's going to take away the passion. But (laughs) I think communication is very key here. Let's talk about some of the other ways. Could body image also or low self-esteem also be one of the reasons why an individual would block the physical intimacy in their relationship? Oh, my goodness. Certainly, certainly. Any... Again, this is where this expectation that we have to look a certain way or be a certain way has this barrier to how we experience just life in general and pleasure in the bedroom. Because, you know, say for me, if I'm going to use myself as an example, if I'm feeling really icky about myself, if I'm feeling like I don't like my body because I'm supposed to look like some magazine chick, then I'm going to feel like, why on earth would I go into the bedroom? Because I'm going to be feeling self-conscious. I'm going to be wondering what my partner is going to be thinking of me. And we get all up in our head. And a lot of people just say, nope, I'm not even going to go into the bedroom because all of that comes up into my head. So I'm just going to avoid. We end up avoiding the bedroom. Or we don't even experience pleasure if we go into the bedroom because we're putting so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect.
And how do we get rid of that? How do we get rid of that pressure of wanting to be perfect for your partner? All, a whole bunch of this is a complete mindset shift and a mindset change to really take ownership of how you want to be and show up in the bedroom. And this means really undoing a whole bunch of mindset shifts or mindset that has been given to us from religion or from our society or from a lack of education. We're giving all these expectations of what things are quote-unquote supposed to look like or how we're supposed to be sexually when sometimes we forget to just ask ourselves how we want to feel and how we want to show up. So it's an undoing of old beliefs and creating a new mindset shift, which takes some time. Well, we are talking sex and uh, sometimes, uh, you know, when one is trying to work their own uh, individual insecurities, it does put a hamper or a damper in the intimacy for the, of the relationship. Now, when it's taking you time to get to that point where you are now comfortable in your relationship and you now are able to remove the blockages, what, what is your partner doing while you're still taking your time to realize yourself? Well, as you're taking the time and doing this whole process, it's just being gentle on yourself and bringing your, if you have a partner, bringing your partner along in the process. It's as we grow in anything in our lives, it's a process. And so you want to bring yourself along for the journey and you want to bring your partner along for the journey and look for opportunities where you can embody just a new way of showing up sexually. And it goes steps by step, by step, and you're just gentle on yourself the whole time. And Mm. have fun. Don't forget to have fun. Have fun, no matter what it is that you are looking at. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, you know. Of course. It's supposed to be fun. Well, yeah, it is supposed to be fun, but it becomes fun when both parties are feeling comfortable. Can you talk to us about some of the other blockages that we face physically um, that uh, stop us from being intimate? Yes. One of the big pieces that this often gets overlooked and the connection is not often seen is we have to feel an emotional connection with our partner to then allow our sexual self to come out and play. And this happens a lot, especially for women, because we don't have the testosterone boost to help us out as much. But it also happens for a lot of men as well. But we need to have this emotional connection. It's you know, not to sound crass, but in order to really open our legs, we're going to have to have an open heart, too. So you do open heart first and then go into the bedroom. That's the way it really can help. But if we don't have that emotional connection, say if you just had a big fight with your partner the day before, your sexual self is going to look into the bedroom and go, um, no Thank you. I am super upset with my partner right now. Why would I even think about being physically intimate right now? But apparently, the you know, when you're upset and the sex after a heated argument or, you know, an altercation is usually the best. It can be. <laughs> and for many couples, that can be an opportunity to what's called a repair. So if we do have a fight with our partner, if there is an argument, Sometimes physical intimacy can be this reconnecting with each other and coming back to each other, especially in a very tangible way. 
with physical intimacy. And for others, it's the complete opposite. It's don't even come near me with a five-foot pole because I'm so mad at you right now and we haven't repaired yet. So for some couples, it is the repair. And for others, a different type of repair needs to happen, such as an emotional conversation or a quality time out to dinner, you know, safely. And really looking at what is needed for you personally to feel open to go into the bedroom because everybody is different and that's something sometimes we forget that every body and every sexual body is different Mm, everyone is different dr chelsea here on whatsapp i've got uh, a question from anonymous anonymous says uh well firstly thank you for the opportunity lovely show says i've been celibate for 12 years 12 years and have only had mm. sex once for a few reasons and he says either to heal from things and spiritual purpose how do i go about explaining this to a partner that would want sex i'm afraid of the judgment Uh, That is such a common thing, just normalizing that the fear of judgment and the fear of things not being enough, the fear of what somebody else is going to say or how they see us is that's something that's universal and something that we all can experience in the sexual realm. And this is where, you know, for this listener to really own this for themselves to really understand that if this is where you are coming from, if this is what's really important to you to have done this work for yourself, then when you own that and you explain it to a partner, you come at it from not a defense type of um, perspective, not trying to defend it, but just saying, hey, this is where I'm at. Does this work for you? Can we have a conversation about how we can really collaborate in a positive relationship for both of us. And if it doesn't work for them, then you'll find that out in the conversation. But we have to have vulnerable conversations and have a negotiation for what works for both people. And to just own it. If this is where you're at right now, own it. It's a beautiful thing. Sure. But you can imagine if we are at two different levels, uh, intimately or sexually, in a relationship, mm-hmm. the one partner might be in a place where they want to abstain and want to, you know, be a celibate for a while, whether it's for spiritual reasons or health reasons or whatever it is. And the other part, my, partner might be viral. They just want to go at it day and night. Then how do we strike that balance? Because if we don't strike that balance, obviously, we're going to have these blockages when it comes to our intimate relationship. Yes, it's definitely a balance. And the differences in the desire for relationships, that's, uh, everybody has that. There is no way that everybody is going to have the same exact level of desire that happens in a relationship. There is, however, there's gaps that happen. And if you think of, you know, for some couples, the gap is really close together. So there's not a huge difference. So it's not as tricky to navigate. And for others, there is a huge gap. So, for example, if somebody is not wanting to have sex and somebody is wanting to have sex every day, that's going to be a pretty big gap. And that might be a conversation of how do we meet in the middle and does meeting in the middle work for us? Or does somebody need to really negotiate something different? It might be allowing some masturbation practices that happen for the other person. But really what's important is if this is a huge value of yours, 
it's really important to bring that up at the very beginning of a relationship because somebody who wants to have sex every day that's probably not going to be aligned and that's going to bring up some pretty big conflicts down the line that might not be able to overcome. Mm. So it, it it all boils down to uh, clear and precise communication as and when our sexual tastes uh, change or are amended. I'd like us to go to a voice note. We've got uh, listeners here who are asking questions. Great. Where are so many women so uncomfortable with the form of their body, in particular when they are naked? You know, sometimes you are ready as a man to penetrate her. She takes donkey ages to undress due to the what they call silver stripes. I don't know the correct name for that stripes. Please ask sexologists why are they not comfortable with the shape of their bodies? Hence, this shape of their bodies sometimes make them that more time to have sex with a man. I'm Howitzer from Brantisha. That's it. Thank you, Howitzer, for the question. So Howitzer says, why do women um, feel so uncomfortable with their body shapes and also with the stretch marks? Mm, such a good question. And I, I really love the curiosity that's coming from this. And a big piece of it is these the expectations that we get from movies, from TV, from magazines, this perfection that is shown to us on a daily basis, you know, in ads that we see on social media, all these places that show perfection that is happening, pornography, all of it. And that mindset, if you remember, we talked earlier in our discussion here, is that letting go of this mindset of how we need to show up and what society and the culture is trying to tell us is going to be a huge thing. And many women are uncomfortable with their bodies because they feel it's not perfect. And if it's not perfect, there must be something wrong with them. And if there's something wrong with them, then why on earth would their partner want to have sex with them or be close to them? This is where the mindset goes. When usually, in my experience, especially guys, because they love the tangible touch of a woman's body, most of them, they're like, I don't even care. I just love seeing you naked. But so many women, we get up in our head about it, and it is tricky and reassuring. If you have a partner like this, reassuring her that her body is so amazing can really help and do wonders, but it also is an inner game, too. She's got to have to believe it as well. Mm. I think one of the, the major issues would be the body image. And that's why that was one of my first questions to you about the body image. Mm-hmm. That I mean, I, I'm a woman myself and uh, the older I'm getting, I really, I don't care anymore. You know, this is the body God gave me and I love it for <laughs> what it is. But I think the younger me was always very conscious, even with myself, just, you know, so I can imagine the, the anxiety that most women do have, and it takes a lot to get out of that. Now, w- when it comes to, to health issues, could these also not possibly block our physical intimacy um, in our relationships if one partner has, uh, you know, is, is no longer as um, a stallion the way he used to be, <laughs> or he can no longer have an <laughs> erection for so long, or he has a weak erection, or maybe the female has boobs that have, you know, taken to gravity and they are facing southwards. Couldn't those things be some of the issues that could cause us not to be very intimate in our relationships? 
Oh, yes, 100%. And that is often when I'm working with somebody is to, this is the first place that we want to look at is looking at the biological side of things and also psychological. If we're having, say if you have depression, if you're not feeling good about life, probably sex is going to be the last thing on your mind. So you want to make sure that you're feeling good about things. And, you know, if you're having medical issues, say low blood pressure, low blood pressure can impact erections for men. And so a lot of this piece is looking at what health issues that I have and doing the best that you can to get yourself to the healthiest version of you. You know, if you have really high stress, if you're really an anxious person, that is going to impact your sexual self, whether it's shutting it all down or revving it up. This happens a lot for, say, men with premature ejaculation. If they have a lot of anxiety, especially around performance, that, oh, my goodness, I have to do a good job, I have to maintain an erection, all that anxiety is actually going to either quicken everything or shut everything down. You want to bring a sense of calm and health into your body. And, you know, even a piece in this, too, for your listeners is make sure that if you're taking any medication, that can be a really big block to your sexual self, especially depression medication. So make sure that you know what the side effects of your medication is so you can work with the medication and make sure that it's not killing your sex life. You, you mentioned a blood pressure, but you did not mention whether it was a high or a low blood pressure that could potentially harm or uh, cause a weak re- uh, erection for a man. Right. Well, if there's, say, low blood pressure, we need blood in the penis to actually have an erection. So we want to make sure that that's good and flowing. Cause there's a lot of health concerns that can actually impact the blood flow that you have in your body. So the best thing is to really, you know, go to your medical doctor to make sure that your body is in healthy, tip-top shape and doing things like exercising and eating healthy and, you know, all the basics of being a healthy human because that's going to have a really big impact on your sexual self, whether in a positive way or a negative way if you're not taking care of yourself. Uh, Dr. Chelsea, could you tell us if there are any foods that we could eat that would help us um, to unblock the intimate us? This is such a good question, and I know there is all the pieces of, say, aphrodisiacs and, you know, really eating types of foods that can really unlock things. And oftentimes what those foods do is help with the blood flow that happens because we need good blood flow to really create the sensations in our body and get the arousal up in our body. And also sometimes it's exciting just to play with food, meaning, you know, if you're having some strawberries with your partner and creating the ambiance and the, you know, the fun together. But honestly, I wouldn't depend on food specifically, a specific type of food to bring on the arousal or the desire in your body. More just eat healthy that's going to have the biggest impact for you. Okay, um, let's go back to some of the other blockages that uh, could potentially hamper our intimacy in our relationship and how we can overcome them. Yes, well, I know a big piece too, and there's, and I even want to say before I even hop into this, is to let your listeners know that Don't feel overwhelmed if you can by 
noting all these pieces. If as we're talking here, you're going, oh, yes, I have that. Oh, yes, I have body image issues. Oh, yeah, I'm not really having a good connection with my partner. Or, ooh, maybe my medication is impacting things. You know, the idea isn't to be overwhelmed by this, but the idea is to be curious of what are some things that you can do to improve your health and your sex life and take it one step at a time. You don't need to do all of the things. And some of them are quick fixes. They, you know, just um, having better conversations with your partner, that can be a semi-quick fix. Sometimes it takes longer. But some other ones that are perhaps some deeper or more elongated type of blocks that happen that are going to take some deeper work that might require, probably will require a psychologist, are things like sexual trauma. If you've had, you know, trauma in the past, either emotional or physical, any of those things, that is definitely going to have an impact on your sexual self because being sexual with somebody requires vulnerability. And you technically can have sex with somebody without vulnerability if you shut everything down inside and emotionally. But the idea is to be physically and emotionally connected. And to be vulnerable can be really hard for many of us who have had an emotional or physical abuse in the past. So that's something to be aware of and to do some work on if this is you. Um, I've got a question here from Andres. Andres is uh, in Kwakwa, and he says, does the cock ring or penis ring increase a heart erection? Yes, it certainly can. It can bring some arousal. And what it does is because it's going at the base of your penis, it can trap some of the blood flow. So if you kind of roll some of the blood to help move into your penis and then put a cock ring on that, or even using your hands to kind of stop the flow from going back in, you can create a nice, more solid erection that can be helpful for that. So, and sometimes it's just fun for funsies sake. Mm. Are there no side effects, though, to the cock ring if you say it, it blocks the blood flow? Mm, can you say that again? Are there no side effects to the cock ring since you say that it blocks the blood flow? Mm. Yes. Well, you don't want to be doing it for super long. So don't be keeping it on for like seven hours or multiple hours because that is not going to be a good thing. But it's something that during when that sexual play, then that's totally fine but listen to your body and if it's starting to feel funny then just take it off just take it off (laughs) all right and uh, i've got another question here Uh, anonymous says hi pat i have been avoiding relationships for a while now simply because my sex drive has dropped please ask the doctor if stress can be contributing to the problem or there could be something else underlying yeah such a good question and this is a peak stress. This is probably one of the number one things that I see that blocks your sexual self. So really working on your stress and getting into the sense of calm and ease is going to be really helpful. Because what happens, you know, if we get into some of the science around it, is if you're really stressed and your body is in this constant state of what's called in the sympathetic nervous system, it's this fight or flight response that's happening. And what we need for sexual experiences is to have this balance of excitement, but not too much that your body is getting overwhelmed and is getting into the fear response. You want to bring in calmness, what what is in the parasympathetic nervous system, and having that more sense of ease in your body, which is really important. 
So if you're even saying, could stress be the reason, that might be what's coming up for you in the stressful sense. And I forgot the second half of the question, to be honest. (laughs) Um, So just like (laughs) this person has been avoiding relationships because of uh, the low sex drive and Ah. was asking if it's stress or could there be something else that's underlying? Yes. Well, definitely can be stress and it can be some of these other pieces that we're mentioning, whether it's medication, a health issue, perhaps vulnerability might be scary for you. And what we talked about in the beginning, feeling this pressure of, you know, performance and doing all of the things. And this is where, you know, something that's really important for everybody to hear is being intimate in a physical sense doesn't mean that it has to to lead to sex every time, meaning the kind of classic definition of sex, including genitals and penetration. You know, being physical can still be a kiss and cut on the couch or sudging each other up in the shower or doing a nice naked massage or playing with a new toy. You know, it doesn't have to be this end goal because when we focus on the end goal, then it becomes pressure filled and then it just doesn't become fun anymore. It becomes either routine or we avoid it because it feels too overwhelming. And now what happens if someone, when it comes to sex and being intimate, doctor, that one of the partners are not meeting expectation. And every time I don't reach my climax, every time I feel, oh, he doesn't kiss me the way I want him to kiss me, or she doesn't, um, you know, move the way I wanted to move, or she doesn't want to do the positions I'm suggesting. Couldn't that also be a blockage? Couldn't that also cause like resistance to wanting to be intimate with your partner because you are not getting your desires fulfilled? Yes, certainly. You know, if it's not fun in the bedroom, then why would we want to go in there? So you want to create this fun and connection and focus on the pleasure of the experience. And this goes back to something I said earlier that we are not mind readers. Don't expect to read your partner's mind and don't expect your partner to read your mind. And we have to, again, use your words and really let your partner know what you like, what you don't like, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And, you know, part of this is having, because for a lot of people, it's really vulnerable to have that conversation while you're in the moment, while you're actually in the intimacy that you're having. So one of the best places to start is outside of the bedroom, having a conversation so it's a little less vulnerable, even though having a conversation about sex is vulnerable, But having that conversation of, hey, you know what I really like is actually when you kiss my neck, that's something that just totally turns me on. Or, you know, something I really appreciate is when you touch my body and don't go straight for my genitals because that helps me kind of create some mood and allows my body to come on board. You know, having those conversations because otherwise your partner is just guessing and that doesn't really help anybody to just guess. Love and connection and pleasure needs more than just guesswork. Good evening, Sis Patricia and your visitor. I have two questions. Um, my first question is that, is that true that women, um, uh, their appetite, sexual appetite, rise when they reach uh, their 40s? or late 30s. Second question is that uh, 
how can I be psychologically labeled when uh, I'm a guy who, 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 who likes or who is more attracted to older women? I noticed this when I was in my early teens up until this day. I'm 29 years old this year. I'm interested, actually I'm attracted to older women, but I've never dated any. Is it a problem? Is it a sickness? How do you, do you how do you, what is your thought on that? I'm anonymous from Port Elizabeth. All right, so Dr. Chelsea, Anonymous has two questions. Let's answer the first one. Is it true that women reach their sexual prime or sexual peak at uh, the ages of after 30, in the late 30s and 40s? This is something that we have to be careful with, is the kind of one-size-fits-all explanation of when someone's sexual energy either goes down or where it peaks, because this even... You know, there's things that are out there saying that as, you know, when you're older, your sex life goes away and it's all out the window. And that is not the case. Every person and every relationship is different. And there's this ebb and flow to sexual energy that happens. There's going to be what I call seasons in your sexual life, where maybe in your 30s, you're actually not feeling as sexual because maybe there's, you have a really stressful job and it's taking up some of your energy. Or maybe in your 40s, you're actually like the most sexual you've ever been. And maybe in your 70s, you're also the most sexual you've ever been. It's this ebb and flow that happens because there are so many variables that impact how your sexual energy shows up. That's the things that we've talked about, medication, health, you know, kids, pregnancy, that can be an impact. Whether you actually like your partner, if you're in a good relationship, if you're feeling healthy, if your stress is managed. All of those pieces are what's going to influence you. So I would actually just throw age out the window, to be honest. And uh, he then asks, is there uh, a psychological term for what he experiences or is there a label for him because he's attracted um, to older women since he was much younger, although he's never dated one, but th- his attraction is to older women? You know what? I don't know if there's an actual term for that, but it is something that is completely normal because having an attraction to certain types of people or certain age groups or, you know, body types or anything like that, that's just, that's like having a certain type of, oh, what would you call it? You know, love for a certain type of food, right? It's having a different desire for a different type of woman, and that's totally fine. Do you like older women? Go for it. It's great. That's something that you know that you're attracted to. And this is where we can get into fantasy world is sometimes, and this is a whole other conversation, but, you know, just because you have maybe this attraction or fantasy or something that works for you, if maybe you're doing solo masturbation and things like that, doesn't necessarily mean it has to come into the physical world. You can bring it into the physical world, but you don't have to. Sometimes things are just... More fun in fantasy land. 
Now, you know, what, what's sad about uh, what he, the voice note from Anonymous is the fact that he says that he's never dated an older woman, but he's got a, a deep attraction for them. Uh, could this be a mental block or could it be just what you're saying, that sometimes things are better in fantasy and better left there? It can be, there could be a couple things here, but it might be maybe that's something that you want to keep into fantasy land and that's totally fine. But if it's, I'm not dating over older women because I feel like there's something wrong with me or there's something bad about me, then that can be a block. And I'm telling you right now, there's nothing wrong with you if you like older women. That's totally fine. <laughs> it doesn't matter if that's something that is an attraction for you. And if you want to date older women, then by all means, go for it. Shame, man. This feel- is, so that can be a I, block I, I, I feel- sure. I feel very sad for, for the partners he's got because they're obviously within his age group and not older women. And he probably is just with them because they're nice people. But his attraction is actually with the older ladies. Go, guy. Uh, <laughs> let's go to Anonymous here. Oh, in fact, it's not Anonymous. He gives us his name. Um, he asks... Where is it now? Okay, so Ralph. Ralph, who's in Rustenburg, says, Please help me. My wife is experiencing vaginal dryness. What can we do? Mm, Such a good question. And this goes into some other blocks that can happen is if there is pain in sex, which sometimes can happen, you know, after pregnancy or if there's um, past trauma that happens. Or sometimes it's just a matter, like in this case, where... There's vaginal dryness, and this is something to not be ashamed of. That doesn't necessarily mean anything is wrong. Sometimes it can happen if there's a change in hormones, which can happen just as, you know, we grow older. It can happen through different phases of pregnancy and after, and good old lubrication is totally helpful. There's no shame in that. It is actually a wonderful thing to lube up, and it also means make sure that before you do any type of penetration, that the body is actually warmed up enough. So a lot of mistakes that can happen in the sexual side of a relationship is that we're not giving enough time for the mind and body to warm up, especially for women. We're kind of like an oven. You need to warm us up before you put anything in us. So you have to give us a little bit of time before, which then allows lubrication to sometimes happen naturally. So they could explore the the medical side, but also possibly explore the way they go into their intimate uh, or their sexual act. You know, like you're saying, us women take uh, longer for us to heat up. So you preheat us before you put the duck in the oven. (laughs) And and then uh, Andres Andres is asking a question here. He says, why do most women like to shave their genitals? Um, Is it because they are sexually active or greedy? Please be original, ladies. Harry, that is what we like, and it turns me on mostly. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a comment and a question there. I don't know, Dr. Chelsea. Is is it a thing? Is it because uh, the porn industry has taught us to shave our Gentile areas, or is it a hygiene thing? Yes, it. I think it's mostly it's what it's the fad right now. It's what a lot of you know, pornography, if you even go back in the day, you know, a lot of pornography had, there was hair, right? There was hair everywhere. And then it became a thing for there not to be hair because it's, you know, I don't know, it's slimmer, it's supposed to be more um, younger looking, all of that. And so it's 
it's a fad, if you will. And the biggest thing is if it is your preference for their hair to be there with your partner, then this is where, not to sound like a broken record, you talk about it. That's your preference. You say, oh, my gosh, honey, I absolutely love it when you actually don't shave. That's something that just totally turns me on. Would that be something that you would be willing to do? You know, having that conversation so you can actually share your preference. And, yeah, I hear you. Sometimes we just take it as, like, a given to shave when really we need to make sure, like, do I actually want to shave or not? Sure. Uh, to take away a lot of admin for the partner that Andres has. <laughs> and if she's uh, one that goes for waxes, it would take away a lot of pain as well, not just admin. So, yeah, doctor, I think okay. as we wrap around off and wrap up, let's uh, just go through these pointers again to make sure that we don't create the blocks for our physical intimacy in our relationships. Yes, and there's a lot of pieces here, and just from top of my memory of what we've talked about is, you know, making sure that you don't create pressure and expectation around the bedroom, make sure you're feeling healthy in your body, eating the right things and working out, make sure that your health, right, there's no health issues that are there, making sure you have also the right mindset, right, feeling good about sex in general, that it's something we actually didn't talk about is if there's shame around sex, sometimes religion can do this, that sex is bad, so we want to have the mindset that sex is good and that it's our right to feel pleasure and also make sure we have emotional connection with our partner, use lubrication if you want to, you know, have fun and play, have conversations, don't try to mind read. And really, the biggest thing is a focus on pleasure and make sure that you have all this time to warm up the body and mind because you can't just expect us to act like robots. <laughs> Thank you so very much, Dr. Chelsea. That is insight that is definitely needed. And I like that point that you made that we need to start accepting that sex is part of um, an adult human being's life, whether you're having it or you're celibate, but it's part of that. And uh, sometimes tradition and religion and society could make us feel that sex is one of those things to to talk about or even do. So we do it in, in the dark and in secret. Yes, it's, you want to release the expectations of what you're supposed to be doing and actually ask yourself and your partner what feels good for both of you and whether or not you have sex once a day with each other or once a month with with each other it doesn't matter as long as you both are feeling good and connected then you're doing it right you're doing it right and keep doing it right last question here and it comes from ralph ralph is asking um how many times would a fully satisfied woman during intercourse um reach orgasm or come Mm, that's a good question i would say first make sure that you're not putting pressure on an orgasm to actually happen So orgasm is one of those things that, again, if we're always focusing on erection happening or penetration happening or orgasm happening, that creates a lot of pressure, which can actually turn off the sexual self. So make sure that we're not putting so much focus on that as being the goal of sexual intimacy, because the goal here is pleasure and connection. So for orgasm, everybody is different. Again, so each woman is going to experience orgasm in a different way. There might be, you know, about 
30-ish percent of women have orgasm through penetration alone. And actually most of that is through support, right? There's penetration, but also maybe a vibrator being used or hands being used. And that could happen once or it can happen multiple times for orgasm. And if it doesn't happen at all, that doesn't necessarily mean anything is wrong. But you want to make sure that there is everyone's getting their pleasure needs met. But sometimes, I mean, on a personal note, sometimes I don't have an orgasm and that's actually not what I was looking for in that experience. It was more to have a pleasurable connection with my husband and having more of his body and heart connection. And the fact that orgasm maybe didn't happen that one time, not the end of the world because it doesn't mean anything about who we are as a a sexual couple. It's just like a nice added bonus when it comes around, which is fun. (laughs) I like the way you put things into perspective, Dr. Chelsea Page. It's been such a great honor having you on the show. We really appreciate your time. You've educated us, and I think we will be the more better in our bedrooms and in our intimate spaces. Yes, well, I'm so happy that I got to come on today, and thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much, Dr. Chelsea Page. And uh, that marks the end of the show. Closet Conversations has closed, but tomorrow, being uh, the Thursday edition, trust you me, we are going to have an even saucier and even sexier topic on Closet Conversation just after the 11 o'clock news when we have Dr. Babalwa Fundagama Boza, who's going to come in and just, you know, help us to spice things up here and there. Make sure you are tuned in. And the first half of the show, we'll be talking to Dr. Hlati, Dr. Mbaimbae Hlati, about the differences between spiritual healer, Sangoma, herbalist, traditional healer, traditional practitioner, and the likes. And why are we doing this? Because for the past two weeks, we've been talking about, uh, on a Thursday, we've been talking about traditional medicine and herbs in the African context and how they can uh, be utilized within the modern context and if there's even such a space. So it brought about this conversation. So make sure you are tuned in tomorrow from 10 until midnight here on SAFM, a late night conversations. From me, Patricia Ntuli and the team, the A-team that is, may goodness and grace lead you all to the great heights of success.